This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How is the not-bubble life going around your place? It's good. School holidays here, and um, you remember last week we spoke to a very lovely lady from Otago Museum, and she shared... um, their at-home project, which has got heaps of cool stuff that you can do at home, sciencey stuff. So we've been picking something from that list every day. So for today, we're making gnocchi. So the instructions for making gnocchi are on there. So that's today's dinner. And uh, so really fun stuff, actually. Good school holiday time. That sounds very good indeed. Even though gnocchi sounds like it's kind of a rude word, it isn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's very delicious. <laughs> and who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce James Stanbridge, who is an artist whose work I absolutely admire. Um, he has got a knack for just capturing a moment, and when you look at it, you feel like you're in it. And I really love that. It's such a gift. And so, welcome, James. Thanks for agreeing to an interview today. It's all right. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Kia ora, James. Where are you, James? Uh, I'm I'm in Fakatani as well, so I'm probably just around the corner from Marweta. Um, but yeah, it, currently we're in level two, so pretty pretty not in the bubble right now. Um, but yeah, the Bay of Plenty generally is is where I call home. So, how was your bubble life last year? I, I found it quite difficult last year. Uh, I remember like um, working from home and all, all of the people I was in my bubble with, uh, their jobs weren't really transferable to lockdown. So I'd go to work 30 hours a week. And then um, last time I felt quite disconnected from the world. And so I ended up playing a lot more like Xbox in my, in my free moments. And, um, and I, was, I was very relieved to, to be out of the bubble um, last year. Um, this this year was a little bit different, yeah. But the the previous one I, I found quite difficult. You know, it was the first time I'd been isolated at home like that. Were you you were working? What what sort of workers do you do on a daily basis? Um, so my my day job is is as a graphic designer. So um, a lot of like websites and and creating logos and signage and whatever else is printed. You know, um. So it's quite easy for me to take my job home, just unplug my computer and all, all our files are stored in the cloud. So, 
you know, I, I can unplug one day and be be at home plugged in the next day, you know, uh, with with no sort of interruption. So, given that you can be at home, did you stay at home when you were allowed to go back to work, or did you go back to the office pretty quick? Yeah, can work at home, but it's it's not quite the same as as being in the office and being able to creatively bounce off your your colleagues. Um, so, like, I mean, there's pros and cons. Like, there is a pro where at home you you are a little bit distraction free and you can zone in on the tasks that you want to work on um but you you lack that 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 like back and forth that that vibe that you have with with other creatives when you're when you're in the same space so once lockdown ended we were pretty fast to move back into the office yeah so also when you're at home it's really easy to get sucked into doing something (laughs) like laundry or or the dishes or you know like um chat to your girlfriend or whatever but um in the office you know you've got that that you're in a dedicated contained space for that activity so when we were back into bubbles this year did it seem like a thing that we'd we'd done before we know how to do this or was it on all that again i i found this time um we got the announcement that we were moving to um you know into into a lockdown and we pretty much all, I went back to the office at eight o'clock at night, picked up my computer. Um, I had just sort of met my partner before this current lockdown a couple of months before that. So I went and stayed at her place and I was, you know, back into it the next day without, you know, without skipping a beat. Um, so, yeah. And we just resumed our, our practice that we had refined in the previous lockdown of, We'll kind of start work a little bit later and also begin every day with a, with a team Zoom meeting, you know, check in with everyone, have a little socialise, discuss the day's agenda and um, and sort of go off by yourself and work. And, I mean, since the previous lockdown in 2020, most of our communications now and our meetings all happens via email or video conferencing rather than as many in-person meetings. So I suppose... The, the lockdown definitely did help to sort of unshackle us a bit from um, office life. And saying that, we've got clients around the country, you know, so you can't physically meet with, with everyone. So as a designer, you kind of get practice at, at it anyway. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have a Gemini. What so not? Why this one? Yeah, um, so... What's an Ox an Australian producer? And um, so as well as being like an artist and a designer, um, I'm also a, a DJ. So I, you know, go to festivals and play at bars and, and, and throw house parties and things like that. So I've got quite quite a wide eclectic range of, of music tastes. Um, this one in particular just has a really like atmospheric-ness to it. And it's also like a total classic electronic music song. It's got nice vocals um, and like it slots really well into, you know, uh, a drum and bass set or, or, or a set that's got a bit more bassy tunes. Um, yeah, so I've played this song many, like hundreds of times, so I'm, I'm keen to hear it again, yeah.
James, do you think people's expectations of design and creative work has changed during the pandemic? We noticed pretty quickly during the first lockdown how weird it was seeing people sitting close together. We could tell that that was a pre-pandemic advert. Right. So, but beyond that kind of the obvious thing of people sitting close together, has it changed our taste? Has it changed the what we're looking for? Yeah, that's a pretty interesting question. Um, there's def- definitely like a whole lot of my work um, has become related to COVID nineteen. Like every most businesses these days, 
you know, there's, there's a huge need in the market for COVID-19 related messaging and design. So I, I wouldn't so much say that the, the style of work has changed, but the, um, there's been like a massive focus on, on communicating people's positions to the, to the public about um, COVID-19. So most um, health organizations, they want like custom COVID-19 messaging pages on their websites. Oh, you know, you go to MedSafe, you go to Pharmac and all these other large businesses, they all have, you know, next to the about page, there's a there's an item on their menu saying COVID-19. Um, so, and I remember um, as soon as we got into lockdown the first time, you know, it was like suddenly everyone needed COVID-19 related messaging. Um, and then, you know, there's, because a lot of my work as a graphic designer, we, we do a lot of work with, um, like healthcare providers, so like um, nonprofits and that sort of thing, um, and and a lot they've definitely commissioned a lot of signage, uh, websites, brochures, you know, walls for people to take photos in front of, um, so all sorts of things like that. Um, but yeah, in terms of style, I, I don't know. Um, I feel like if if there had been a radical style shift in the way like we design things that I might have noticed. Um, yeah. We're, cer we're certainly seeing, you're probably fed up with the, the yellow stripes and the the restricted <laughs> set of icons. Yeah, I mean, like, every business in the in, in the country now has, has, a, has a poster on their wall with, with that same design style. I think um, what, what, what we may see, like, because it's become ubiquitous now. Everyone in the country has seen that design style. So it'll be interesting to see um, whether over time that because we've been so saturated with COVID nineteen messaging that the the like the yellow stripes and and the the simple icons and all those sorts of things seep out into into design over time. Like um, we still see things that are in like um, Art Nouveau or Art Deco styling even today. You know, so I, I think there'll be be, it'll ring out through time that we had this period of, of COVID-19 and everyone was like hit by COVID-19 messaging, you know, on the highway, on the television, every website you visit, before you watch a YouTube ad, you're just bombarded by this, this style all day long. Um, yeah, so, so it'll be, I think be it, to, it will have an effect. You might be able to recognise things as coming from now, even if it's not directly about COVID, like the... The, the use of the don't panic sign that derivative stuff from there maybe it'll it'll right, yeah, stick yeah. through in there does it give you much room to be playful or is the message so serious that it's it, it's it's pretty in a box i think um in terms of being playful like not really um most most organizations are on a budget and and this this is like urgent messaging that they don't want to pay much for so I'd say unless it's like a new business that has like a focus around um, COVID-19 or, or whatever that um, no, nah, I don't really get to be playful with it. I want to make it look good as fast as possible and communicate the message clearly. Um, and also, you know, uh, we're talking about how saturated we are with COVID-19 styling um, it's sort of entered the vernacular, the visual vernacular now. And so to like um, reinvent the wheel for something like 
COVID-19 related doesn't make much sense. Um, we might like sprinkle a brand style on top, like use their typefaces or or their photography or something like that. But I'd say with COVID-19 messaging, you really want to like keep it pretty on point. Um, and also there's no real need to get creative with it. This is sort of all the signage and stuff is, is their requirements. You know, they've all been legislated that they have to put this messaging up. And most people probably don't like aren't, that invested in in the messaging beyond getting a point across. I do like the I heart New Zealand, except that the hearts the 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 um the QR code because it's such yeah. a strong emblem that it doesn't need to be a heart. You still read it as one. Yeah, yeah, and they're like obviously like calls upon some pretty famous messaging. You know, the I love New York campaign by like Milton Glaser back in the day, which is yeah. So it's, it's but that. That's kind of like, um, we were talking about how saturated we are with COVID-19 messaging. Well, the world got saturated with um, I love New York messaging, you know, or, or the peace symbol or, or whatever. And now, and those, um, that messaging gets hijacked later for like satirical or um, or like calling upon cliches to make a point. So I'd say that, um, yeah, in the future, you know, the same way that, the COVID campaigns reference that I love New York thing, you know, maybe one day someone will be referencing the COVID-19 campaigning to, to, to have a similar um, effect. Maybe rather than sticking with that, maybe as soon as that stops dominating the work, then we'll see a big swing back in the other direction. We were talking the other day to Lee Hart with his Waka Changi and Snacker Changi yeah. here and Chips, the, the um the branding of that is both what how do we describe it it was both authentic and surreal yeah um also like that highly satirical you know um lee's really clever i've been watching the late night big breakfast his show and he's got adverts for real products and then he's got adverts for his products and they're all like intermingled in this this weird sort of way where you're not sure like is that a product that he made? Is this product real? You know, it's like um, you know, fake medications, and then the next ad is is an ad for his Waka Changi chips. You know, it's um, oh, Snacker Changi. Yeah, it's uh, super clever. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi arohanu, kia koutou kotahoho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we are all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better thank you now i know that for all of us it's been a very challenging time over the last several months and it's so important that we do everything that we can to care for ourselves and each other and celebrate the many new skills and ways of being that we have encountered and continue to cultivate a community which inspires one another to even greater heights. 
So as I write to you, it's a beautiful stun Eden day. The sun is shining, the birds are singing. And I'm in the process of preparing for the inaugural volunteer awards, which I'll be emceeing tomorrow. And I'm very excited about this, of course. It's the first awards of its kind. And for me, it is such a great honor because there's nothing that I love more than celebrating love. And I know for all of us, we know someone who gives tirelessly as a volunteer to community initiatives. And I know for all of us, we give our time and energy as volunteers in many different aspects of our lives. And how wonderful that there is now a special celebration for all these people in our community, not just the organisations that oversee their volunteering as it has been in the past. This is even more personal and individual, which is so important. So of course this got me thinking about how giving of our time and energy without the expectation of a monetary reward, but with the knowing that the reward of gratitude, connection, connection with the life force of others, knowing that we are making a difference to the lives and the reality of others, allowing new aspects of ourselves to come forward that would not normally have the opportunity to. And in fact, this is something that I love and I'm looking forward to about tomorrow. I know that in the ceremony, many different aspects of people will come forward and celebrate all the different ways that we nurture and encourage each other, all the many day-to-day tasks that for many go unthought of or unnoticed can be celebrated. The most simple and the most mundane, but the most important. So I really hope for you today, you're having an appreciation of all the ways that you give without that expectation of a return and all the ways that you are supported without that expectation. And of course, the more of this giving that we do, the more we learn to give without feeling we must receive in return. We learn so many new ways of interacting. So I'm really looking forward to tomorrow, hearing everyone's stories, how they've been helping the community. Many of these people I've met, but I haven't heard in depth what they do every day that they're passionate about. So I'm really looking forward to it, especially at this time, which has been so difficult for us all. I'm so grateful that we can gather together, even in socially distanced ways, to celebrate that even at a a distance, we still love and support each other. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite.
You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with James Stanbridge. James, your work blows me away because, I mean, like you look at the artwork of people and, and you can imagine it and you, you, can, you can kind of feel where they're coming from, but there's something about the way that you capture spaces that actually makes you feel like you're in the space. Mm. And that is kind of cool. And, and it's not a thing that I get to feel with everybody's work. How did you develop that ability? Um, yeah, if we're talking about my photography work, um, I think the the way to get your photography to really resonate with people so they feel like they're, they're there is, and it kind of will sound cheesy, but it's like to really be there yourself, you know, is like it's hard to turn up to a new place that you're unfamiliar with, um, scan around and then and then see like, Oh wow, that's an award-winning photograph. Um, uh, I I spent a lot of time during my time in Fakatane going down to the to the heads and watching the sunset at um, the Lady on the Rock or, or Waitaka. And so I must have I must have dozens of photos from the same location. But there's there's some that because I've been there again and again and I've I've like intersected with what the weather's doing and you know, like seeing it during different seasons. I, I really like become like intimately familiar with some of these locations that I photograph. And so, because I'm so intimately familiar with them um, and I see it in so many conditions that, that just seeing what's beautiful and like framing that and, and capturing something like the stars align. Um, there was there was one night I was out taking photos for um, like a work project, but it was like a really clear night and the moon was like setting down um, by the horizon. And so I was like, I'll just go down the heads and I'll take, I'll, I'll see what the lady on the rock is doing. Um, so I went down, had my tripod and I got this photo of like the moon um, right down by the horizon. And I intersected the moon with the feet of this lady on the rock statue in Fakatane. And like, it was like a moon set. So the, the moon lit up the clouds in the distance and so there was this real like vibrant orange sunset but it was like 11 p.m at night um and that's just one occasion you know like but i definitely say that like really really being invested in a place and like really having like a, a, a an emotional resonance with the, with what you're what you're capturing um and like investing time and patience into into capturing it and from all its angles i think that that's how you get that magic factor into into the images at least that's what i tell myself <laughs> there is we we recently uh interviewed troy baker and mandy actually we interviewed interviewed mm. troy and mandy and i'm going to ask you the same question i asked them because this is this thing this magic special trick that photographers have in the in that moment before you take the photo you have to decide that that's that's the perfect that's the perfect shot right there and it's like you anticipate that it's coming and you click the button and then this magic happens how do you anticipate it how do you know that it's coming right um a lot of it is it's repetition so like i must have taken like you know a literal million photos um or maybe not a million but like I've taken many, many photos and it's like anything, you know, as, as you practice something, you, you get, um, 
you get like a second nature sort of feeling about about doing the activity so um and it's like it sounds cheesy again but there's the ten thousand hours rule you know like over time you become so attuned to the to the process that like the 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 camera in the middle sort of disappears and and you sort of go into the zone you know that high performance people go into and and yeah so it's like they, they talk about people playing baseball you know like that they they don't look at the ball and then hit the ball they they, they look at the the way that the dude threw it and they their mind creates the path and then they they then follow through and hit where their minds projected the ball you know it's it's sort of like that i i think um and also there's like a lot of people will, will take a photo but they won't really see the photo before they take it they'll just snap you know like not to throw under the bus but when my grandma takes photos of the toddlers playing you know with their christmas presents she stands up at full like adult size and then like looks down on them and like and just snaps a photo like doesn't frame it just like yeah it's happening click whereas like a photographer you know like for starters we put the fo- the, the camera up to our eye so we're like we're isolating the image what we're seeing is what's going to get taken um and part of like learning how to take good photos is um is, is learning this like to like see the photo before you take it so look through the camera like like zoom in a little like rearrange the frame like what's in the center you know is it off center like is my exposure right um have i got my all my settings correct you know like um if you take a photo of a person it's like have they like button their shirt up properly and, and there's all these like micro decisions that you make before taking a photo but really all of it is about like seeing the image and then trying to create the most refined picture you can yeah so it, it's definitely about how you consciously frame the whole process i think that 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 and, and how you like um refine your seeing and your operation of the camera so that the camera gets out of the way and it's just you in the picture and then you just make the connection happen that is the best explanation for that moment that i have ever heard thank you oh, you're welcome all of us are inspired by things um people uh, influences uh that that we grow up with where has your creativity come from what was the influence for you yeah well uh I had like, I feel like as a creative, I've got quite like a balanced, integrated thing. Like I had, there's like the the left brain, right brain polarity, and I, I feel like I've got this this good integration of my like logical faculties and also like my um, creative visionary faculties. So this like this this meeting in the middle of like creativity plus like detail and logic. I feel like I've got quite a good connection there. Um, so, so as a kid, I was always, when I pictured where I would end up, I often thought that I would be an artist or I'd be a scientist and that, you know, I was going to like follow both until I picked one. Well, I went to school and I discovered that science is not nearly as fun as being creative. Sorry, scientists. Um, and, and chose the, the better half. <laughs> um 
obviously there's people in my development that that inspired me um I got fond memories of being really young and sitting around um, the dinner table with my auntie drawing. And I remember her like sketching me. She was very into art. And so um, I feel like she was a strong influence early on. Um, there's kind of been this flip. Now I'm like an older successful artist and now I'm providing mentorship back the other way around. And so like, it's quite interesting to see see the creative journey come full circle um and then the other like during my you know like early years i, I had a, set, a primary school teacher um named mr Mulhern, and i just remember him being like a, a sort of male like role model teacher that i really admired and he had a um you know an appreciation for like portrait drawing and and that sort of thing and um like he'd do sketches in class and stuff and he i remember him doing a, a pencil sketch of me um which was like you know it's the little things you know that's only like a small moment but as it's, it's, you know you get those tiny moments throughout your journey that really like resonate out through time so but really i think i think at the end of the day i just had a natural like a natural tendency towards creativity and and um like making art so there hasn't really had, I haven't really had to like, um, like it's, it's not like I've picked a career that I don't enjoy that, that I don't feel called to. It's not like, um, it's not like I'm a pianist and I get up to go weld things every day, you know, like I, I like my job. I like the things I do. So, um, getting up and getting after it is, is, is not a, is not a challenge most days. Some days I'm tired like everyone else and, and, you know, it's hard to be creative, but, but generally I love it. Yeah. So it's natural. So yeah, you're talking about like having the vision and then creating that using the tools that you've got. Does it, I don't suppose it always works, but is, does it sort of generally work if you can actually pull off what you have in mind? Yeah. Um, I think like, as you develop and mature and grow your skills as an artist, it's it's like it becomes easier and easier to to formulate something in your mind and then like bring it down into reality. Um, early on, when you don't have like uh, um, a good skill set under your belt, it can be there's a, there can be like quite a large gap between what you can create in your mind and what you know is possible and what you have the capacity to actually manifest. Um, and so like these days, mostly I can just come up with an idea and then, and then execute it early on. I'd have this like, like gnashing of teeth thing where I'm like, <laughs> I've got these visions and I sit down to do it and it doesn't come together. And then I finish 30% of it and tear it up and stuff. Um, eventually through repetition and practice that sort of just mostly went away um at a certain point like you know i was talking about this visions thing uh, when i was really intense doing my drawing back in the day um often i would just receive like transmissions of completed drawings into my mind and all the elements in place and then i'd sketch out like a like a 30 second drawing of of what i was like 
sometimes it seems like it's been beamed in from the outside and you're like, whoa, that's an idea. And then, um, you know, the, uh, there's this like ether connection thing happening somehow. Um, but sometimes, yeah, it was like you get zapped and you, this whole picture would emerge in your mind. Um, I'd sketch it out and then spend 50 hours drawing it, you know, and then, um, but it had essentially remained mostly unchanged from the the initial like inspiration I was struck with. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Let's take the second of your tracks. Let's take Oni. I'm hoping it's pronounced Oni. Champagne drip. Why this one? (laughs) Okay. So this one's definitely a lot more of a, um, this is, this is a thrown through like electronic music track, you know, it's like, this has got like big gnarly bass lines. Like, I love this track because when it, it, it starts off, it's very, it, it's got this atmospheric thing. There's like seagulls chirping and like circling in the air. And then all these just weird, um, trippy, like very clearly electronic sounds start ringing out through it. And then in electronic dance music songs, there's this thing called the drop. Um, and so that the song builds up and then the drop hits usually when the drop hits there's like this just bass thing that happens um when i hear this song on a on a really big sound system with huge subwoofers it, it, it rattles your bones it, it's uh yeah the drop's real thick um so it's 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 a real real nice song um i play it like every time that I play out um, in this sort of BPM. So if dance music is not your thing, you're probably not going to like it. But if you do happen to to get down, then um, this one is a classic.
changes in society over the last year and a half, two years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things I hope don't stick. Um, I, I, I've been looking at it and for starters, we're going to have, we're going to have a, a generation that has grown up and things like social isolation standing two meters away from other people like being stuck in your home for weeks on end um and and all these sorts of other you know like everyone in a supermarket wearing a mask and all all these sorts of things that i really hope that those sorts of things don't stick around that um we we work it out somehow because we're definitely going to have a, a covid generation you know um and we're talking about ripple effects through society. Like there's definitely going to be some pretty large waves throughout the generation that's growing up right now. You know, we had, we had world wars and the people who grew up during that time period were like very clearly marked in a certain way that people who weren't born during that time period just aren't, you know, like my, um, my grandparents grew up as children during the world war, you know, and they, they grew up into scarcity and rationing and, um, you know, like only being able to get a certain amount of food or materials or whatever. And there's a, there's like, there's like an inbuilt frugalness to them that no one else who isn't from that generation has. So I feel like there's going to be, there's going to be some societal effects that are going to like be, be felt in these people that, that they grew up in. It was their day-to-day normal to be in a society like this. Um, obviously. Okay. In terms of things that I hope stick around, I, I hope things like um, that we can make a balance of in-person and remote working, you know, um, like there's, there's advantages to, to, to working from away and, and being, physically close to people so if we can like lean into the remote working thing you know that that could open kind of like dissolve boundaries and maybe you know we can work with other talented people from far away if we can attract them into our sphere so i hope that sticks around um really i just i feel like it's crazy times and it's it's, it's, it's quite hard to comment on exactly where things are going to go or, or or what's going to 
um, be relevant in the years from now. Um, everything seems to be quite in flux, you know. Um, people are polarized and um, like a lot of people are angry or, or you know, people, it's quite an emotional time. Um, yeah, so I kind of look into the future and we're in the past, you know, it seems like things, you know, like there's a path that we're going down right now. I'm like really unsure as to, as to where the world's going. Um, it'd be nice if we could wrap this whole experience up soon and like <laughs> return to normal. Um, but you know, it, it does seem like it's, this is our world war that we have to go through. Well, at least um, as a millennial, that seems like this is this is the major or one of the major society things that's going to happen in my lifetime. Although I'm saying that the world's speeding up, and so cataclysmic world-changing events seem to happen at a increasingly quick pace. So, who knows? Yeah, that's maybe how I feel about everything. Maybe it's not about a return to normal. Maybe it's a return to some sort of new normal, which is a new disruption, an ongoing disruption. And, and you know, yeah. embrace change as agile methods would have us do. Yeah. James, I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we shall have to wriggle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, um, I had an exhibition in Fakatani called Nature is My Church, and I exhibited... Um, some two dozen photographs um that was my second solo exhibition the editor at d photo magazine got in touch with me and they ran a a 12 page full color article on my show and they printed they printed my photo on the cover of the magazine so to be printed on the cover of the national photo magazine and have a giant article written about me if i had been if i had told my 21 year old self that was going to happen i would you know very happy um oddly seemed kind of empty when it happened but big success um and then the other big success was um when i started djing i set a five-year goal of playing at this this music festival called splore and then through a series of fortunate events i managed to pull it off in two years so you know that was that was really cool um that's kind of the approach i take to well, I, I read some somewhere. It's like, what if you could take your five-year goal and achieve it in six months? You know, and there's something kind of um, empowering and freeing about that idea. You know, it's like maybe it's not going to take you the next five years to do something. Maybe if you played the the game right, you could get it done in half a year, or one year, or two years, or whatever. Um, that's something I take into chasing my ambitions. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. You are in that team. What's your superpower? Oh, very glad. Nice. That's an interesting one. Um, I think my superpowers would have to be like my perspective of the world. I feel like I have an interesting way of, of seeing and doing things. And over time, the more I just embody my quirky unique unusual way of like operating in the world the um the more powerful i become so i would say that's my superpower quirky man some quirks is it, <laughs> is it a bird is it a plane no it's quirky man do you consider yourself to be an activist no 
<laughs> I I have I have opinions on stuff, but like I, I don't I don't want to isolate people or go out of my way to to um to force my ideas upon people. I'd much rather have a discussion with someone where we like both get to say our piece than try and like tell someone how they should see or act in the world. So there's a part of me that doesn't really like people that get too activist about things. Um, it can feel like it can feel condescending or, or demeaning to be told that like something that you're doing is wrong and that there's a better way. Um, not to say that you can't be and act better in the world. It's just sometimes like angry, angry, angry discussions or cancel culture or, or whatever else that um that arises from activism can be like kind of harmful to individuals so i think like maybe 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 i'd see myself as being an activist in, in a new way of using the word where like um there's compassion and empathy for other people's beliefs so what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning um when i die i'd like there to be like a whole bunch of things that I did that people aren't going to forget about. So, yeah, my, my I'd, I want to leave a creative legacy and the way to do that is to keep being creative day to day, you know? Um, and like I said earlier, I love being creative. I love making stuff. So to get up every day and go and produce things is, is, I don't know. There's there's an intrinsic motivation there that I don't have to like dig to find on a day to day basis. So, what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, I, as I said earlier in the podcast, um, I just started a new relationship um, with someone I met not too long before lockdown. So, my goal is just to lean into that and enjoy that and whatever challenges arise. Um, also, keep making music, keep designing stuff, and maybe like maybe reinvigorate some of my old art practices like drawing. Um, generally, just stay in the game. Yeah, keep getting that bread. Yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Hmm. I think yeah. I think people should like. Everyone gets real sweaty about stuff, you know, like about the small issues and the big issues i read once like don't sweat the small stuff and it's mostly small stuff like like you know like uh, <laughs> you walk into a store and someone like someone yells at you for not wearing a mask it's like and yeah it's a big deal we have to it's it's you know it's mandated but it's like to like have someone shout you're not wearing a mask across the room when they could be like Hey, excuse me. Um, could you please put on a mask? We have a mask wearing policy in our store. It's like you don't have to get angry. Like it's not that big of a deal. Maybe you had to say it five times today, but it's like um, when you get angry and and divisive, you can like ruin someone else's day. Um, and generally, as well as like we all need to operate with a little bit more compassion for where others are at. Like everyone's fighting their own little battle you don't know what's going on in their life um you don't know how they were raised or or what trauma they they suffered so like 
just like take it easy <laughs> yeah thank you for that Moera. james um that corridor that you've just given uh is reflective in your work as well so you know sometimes people say things but they don't they don't always live it but i see that you live that and i see that um in your art is compassion and a genuine love for for the world around you and i really appreciate that and i thank you for making the world a more beautiful place with, you. with your incredible creativity thank you very much for joining us today you're welcome cheers thanks for having me thank you safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by otago polytechnic we're broadcast on otago access radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we had a contribution today from tahu mckenzie this is the selector on my radio I'm Samuel Man in Soyuz Bay in Eden with Muera Karatai in Fakatani and also in Fakatani we've been joined by James Stanbridge. And that was Blurring Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.